0: After a solid two years of slaving away, Drifter Sympathy is finally returning for a fifth season. It'll be picking up in 1999 at the end of that last episode, I Want to Live a Peaceful Life, and continuing into moving up to Portland. Look for the first episode coming up soon around the second week of March, and check out all the things I've been giving away on Patreon. For now, I'm going to play a segment of last season's Q&A episode. It's something we've been doing on the Patreon exclusively. And then I'll see you in mid-March. Here are some of the questions from last season. How have you dealt with failure, rejection, shame, guilt, disgrace, and disillusionment? Have you ever been discouraged, either artistically or personally, because of your constant sense of being an outsider? How have you adapted to your environment in these cases? Every time we start a new season, I get to go back to the beginning, or even earlier than I had started before, and start from a whole new angle. It's supposed to be sort of an ugly duckling tale, but I don't really care about ever getting to any successful part. All I want to talk about is what was hard and what's still hard. A great friend of mine that released Lost Decade basically in his own bedroom, and it never even went anywhere. When we decided to release it, he said, you know, I bet that when an artist finally gets established and they've fought and fought through the trenches and all the way up the mountain and they finally get up there and they put the flag up on the mountain. I bet they're so tired and I bet that they've been through so much that they don't even care anymore. And I remember I looked over at him and it just seemed so far away what he was even talking about. I mean, we hadn't even started trying to fucking climb shit and I just knew there was something about what he was saying that sounded true. I didn't even know why. I was just like, that sounds so fucking good. I bet it's probably true. There's this interview somewhere online, it's on YouTube I think, of Leonard Cohen and some guy is just going down the same old road with him and saying, what is success to you? And it stuck with me that his response was, the only success I understand is that of survival and just keeping going. An artist only really cares about functioning as an artist. That's their dream, and it took me a long time to make peace with that. I think I'm doing it now. That's what I think I'm doing. Maybe even just by recording this, I think that's what I'm doing. But a true artist really just wants to be left alone to do what they do and be able to do it. Meaning, you know, if you're David Bowie, you want to be able to go to Berlin and write your new record, and then write your next record, and then write your next record. He didn't focus on money that much. Unfortunately, he was ripped off because of it, but he really just wanted the ability to keep making things. And when it came to fame, he got really confused about that. Like, you know, this is what I, This is what I've worked so hard for. It was the art that really ended up satiating him. And then it really seems like getting away from fame actually made him really happy at the end. But the fact that an artist actually in the end realizes after they've gone through all this bullshit that they actually didn't want the ornamentation and they didn't necessarily even want a lot of the attention, but they wanted people to take them seriously and be able to do what they wanted to do. That's a very core realization and super powerful if you can come to that place. It's very hard to get there. You know, hopefully for you, it's easy. For me, it was really hard. The end of that question was, have you ever just done the Jedi thing and removed yourself entirely from everything just because you felt that was the only way to stay sane? I think I probably do that every few years. When you see Holy Sons disappear for a second, in the very beginning, I remember telling my girlfriends or my friends, you know, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. Every fucking few months when I was a kid, I'm quitting I gotta quit. It's too painful for me to keep going, believing something might happen. There were a lot of stupid ideas that I probably had that I thought the world would just come to me. I probably fucked up. And then there was going to college, which was one of the most important things I ended up doing because it removed me for four years, and that was suicide. That was commercial suicide, it was public suicide. If I really wanted to go get famous, like a lot of kids that were super self-aware and still to this day, there's a lot of kids out there that just know exactly what they're doing. I didn't, I needed to get away and I needed to look in the mirror. That was so incredibly hard and so painful to believe that I was just pulling myself out of this rat race. But it ended up being a very, very good thing. But it was a death in the public eye. It was a death for four fucking years. When you're fucking 18, four years is an eternity. And I did that over and over. So I suppose you are onto something, but we all come back to the world. It's part of being alive. We can't avoid it. My true advice to any artist is that If you can think of something that is very special and unique and people can't get it somewhere else, that's when they come to you, eventually. It's very difficult to bet on any of this bullshit, but your best weapon is to go inside yourself and really understand what it is you have to say and understand why it's not the generic thing on the shelf next to it. Because it doesn't matter if you're selling toothpaste or making music. Uniqueness is the ultimate commodity. I want to know what to expect going into the world of underground music and music outside the mainstream as a career choice. At this point, there's no turning back for me. Do scenes exist that are self-sustaining, cutting the edge? Can you write and perform original music and live off of that? or do you need to heavily diversify if you don't want to acquiesce into the world of wage slavery? Are there epicenters you or your comrades know of in North America around the world that an honest seeker can travel to and hope to find a degree of authenticity to which they could contribute? I definitely grew up dreaming that there would be some sort of tower some sort of community that I would eventually join or maybe even immediately join after high school or something that was this crew of like-minded thinkers. It never occurred to me that they didn't maybe exist. I was sure that there was just a place for me in the world, you know, as part of being really, really young, was that I thought that there would be a language that I was speaking already that could link up with other people who spoke that too. That was one of the harder things to swallow as time went on, realizing there was no place to go that solved this issue. I guess there's a faster way to just tell you that you should never hold your breath and think that the world will come to you. A basic mistake that I made thinking that, you know, something magical was happening in my bedroom and somehow the world was just going to find out about that. I literally chose not to go out there and play music during the 90s. That's really why it was called Lost Decade. So it's a cautionary tale to you that you can't complain about the game if you're not even going to play it, and that's pretty much what I did for a solid decade. I despised people who believed in themselves in ways I, the way that they approached the world and just went and took what they wanted. I didn't see myself as deserving that. I didn't see myself as being capable of asking for any attention. So it drove me inside to make all the stuff that I made in isolation, which, you know, I'm happy about now, but I guarantee you, I wasn't. I have to tell you that you really shouldn't try what I did. You should try something just experimentally, slightly more extroverted. I just couldn't handle that attitude and that worldview. There are certainly strategies to approaching the capitalist aspect of of playing music, which I do believe you you have to be good at. I, I don't think it's something you can ignore completely and diversification is a massive aspect of of today's world. From my point of view, if I had something to say in music, it was really no different than writing a book or doing a podcast for me. I, I had things I wanted to talk about either way. I didn't just want to be a bass player in a band. That's not all I wanted to do. There is a takeaway from that, that you have to understand the market that might accept what you're making and zero in on it, find the labels and find the people that share your enthusiasm for the micro world that your music lives in. As bad as my depression might have been as a teenager and the purposelessness and the aimlessness, as bad as that got, I think that going out in the world to play music was an even lonelier feeling in some ways, and I suspect that there's a lot of people out there that have dreams of communicating something, and I want to be somebody that makes them feel aware that they're part of this larger brotherhood, but maybe even more importantly, explain a lot of the time that I wasted uh, focusing on things that just weren't even real. I was never sure if there was a community out there, an audience out there, or other artists out there that were doing the same thing as I was. I had heroes, but I was totally alone in a lot of ways. And I think that was good for marinating and staring at an equation that I wanted to solve. I think that being alone actually helped because i wasn't in new york city you know surrounded by a bunch of other people i was totally alone in the mountains of north carolina so there was really no energy to get lost in and what i'm discovering now in looking back is that when i had nowhere to turn and i was totally without devices or a way out i think that's when i probably started getting good at what i do And I can't imagine life if I hadn't had that period. You see a lot of artists that get congratulated too early. And now I can see why they don't grow. Isolating yourself and looking in the mirror and trying to figure out what it is you have inside of you, that's something that in my world has to be done. You can't get around that. The Beatles got famous and John Lennon changed people's lives. That's a story. That's one story that might not be my story or your story, and it doesn't really matter. You have to just live your fucking life, and you can't look at the blueprint of some fucking famous rich entertainer and compare anything to do with you. You have to live your life in a pure sense, and you have to go down the river and just let it wash you where it's gonna go. Here's the next question. I'm interested in how you go about discovering the wide range of music that's featured in your show. When I walk into a record store, I don't even know where to start. What's your process? Well, it reminds me of many, many, many years that I felt the exact same way. I remember in college somebody, I think it was an ex-boyfriend of my mom's, gave me a gift certificate to the like to the big record store in Asheville, North Carolina. And I went down there and I walked around so confused. Like, you know, I spend every day of my life trying to make music, but I have no relationship to anything in here. You know, part of me might have been right that for that time I actually had no use for anything in that entire store, but I do think that there were things in there that, if I had had the right friends to show me or the right situation, you know, maybe I would have gained an appreciation for Steely Dan. I don't know. I at the time I had no interest in it, but I remember just you know when you're a kid, you just click clack through the same CDs every time you go in just to like see if your favorite band came out with some like obscure European import. You know it doesn't exist, but you're just waiting, waiting for something profound to happen in a fucking record store. And I remember just, I just had to leave. Like I just didn't want to go back there. So I just, for some reason, like grabbed a Rush CD, it was uh, Caress of Steel, which is like the craziest decision. I, I was just wanted to get out of the store. I think I got it because I had some memory of some crackhead singing Lakeside Park to me one night behind a bar by a dumpster or something. And man, I got home and Caress of Steel is... I'm sorry, it is not that good of a record. I was shocked at how uninteresting it was. Anyway, I feel just like you in so many ways, but something happened to me along the way where I kind of finally unlocked this particular kind of curiosity. Now I feel like it's this two way road. Like if I'm going to talk about anything to do with me. I also really have to expose my curiosity and my, my lust for things that other people have done. And it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me just talk about myself. So talking about this relationship that we all have with people across time and space and continents is really refreshing. It makes you feel like better and lighter to not focus on yourself so much. And unlocking that thing, is hard to do at first, but once it gets unlocked, when you kind of turn the corner and find out where your curiosity target sort of lies in the history of music or anything, it could be botany, that moment is a very liberating moment. And I understand waiting for that moment and not having had it yet, because I waited for so long, not knowing what to get in that fucking record store that day. because I didn't feel some sort of love with my fellow man on the sidewalk, because I walked down the street and I had difficulty relating to other people. When I ended up finally finding people in the past that have made records, that I genuinely had a sort of deep curiosity about what they were going through when they made them. Nick Drake is a great example, but there's many, many, many hundreds Of people like David Axelrod when I unlocked that relationship between me and them and my curiosity about them that made me feel like I did love human beings and I did want to know more about them and I did love history and I did care about the stranger not necessarily on the sidewalk in front of me all the time but almost in a distant sense I could carve out the fact that there were human beings out there that I was genuinely capable of bonding with and really had an empathy for. And that was a very important turning point for me. What what would I be if I didn't know how to care about other people or pay attention to their experience? That has been one of the central most rewarding things that I've come to appreciate, and I think I was looking for the whole time. Here's the next question. I'd be interested in how you started Grails and how this helped you play your own music live as Holy Sons. It's so important to start with the loneliness and abject failure of the 90s to tell this story. And mostly the story is about that. I'm not really interested in success. I'm really obsessed with the purity of why someone is drawn to be themselves without reward. I don't want to let go of any of the pain and smoldering frustration that went into anything that came out of it that was good. So unfurling that entire beginning and that transition is such a crucial change that I'll have to honor the gradualness of that pivot over time and really convey the slow burn and the lack of success that goes into really refining a cult expression. Because what I've learned, and as you may know, the most important parts of your life are the hardest, and that is not when people are clapping around you and helping you, encouraging you, or loving you. And that moment, when things are that hard, ends up being the thing that on your deathbed you will look back and say, thank God, life challenged me to that level.
1: It was wintertime in Nashville, down on Music City Row. And I was looking for a place to get myself out of the cold, to warm the frozen feeling that was eating at my soul, keep the chilly wind off my guitar. My thirsty wanted whiskey, my hungry needed beans. It had have been a month of payday since I'd heard that eagle scream. So with a stomach full of empty and a pocket full of dreams, I left my pride and stepped inside a bar. Actually, I guess you'd call it a tavern. Cigarette smoked at the ceiling and sawdust on the floor. Friendly shadows. I saw that there was just one old man sitting at the bar and in the mirror I could see him checking me and my guitar and he turned and said, come up here boy and show us what you are. I said, I'm dry and he bought me a beer. He nodded at my guitar and said, it's a tough life, ain't it? I just looked at him he said, you ain't making no money are you? I said, you've been reading my mail. He just smiled and said, let me see that guitar. I got something you ought to hear. Then he laid it on me.
2: If you waste your time talking to the people who don't listen to the things that you are saying, who do you think's going to hear? And if you should die explaining how the things that they complain about are things that could be changing. Who do you think's gonna care? There were other lonely singers In a world turned deaf and blind Who were crucified for what they tried to show And their voices have been scattered By the swirling winds of time Cause the truth
1: remains that no one wants to know Well, the old man was a stranger but I'd heard his song before. Back when failure had me locked out on the wrong side of the door. When no one stood behind me but my shadow on the floor. And lonesome was more than a state of mind. You see, the devil haunts a hungry man. If you don't want to join him, you gotta beat him. I ain't saying I beat the devil. But I drank his beer for nothing. Then I stole his song.
2: And you still can hear me singing to the people who don't listen to the things that I am saying, praying someone's going to hear. And I guess I'll die explaining how the things that they complain about are things they could change. Hoping someone's going to care. I was born a lonely singer and I'm bound to die the same But I've got to feed the hunger in my soul And if I never have a nickel I won't ever die ashamed Cause I don't believe that no one wants to know